Hello and welcome to We've Dropped and Get the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. I've got a question for you. Okay. <laughs> what does the killing of a sacred deer mean? I don't know. Um, I mean, in relation to the film, the connection is obvious, yeah? Uh, you know, because it is all about death and sacrifice and, you know, what would you sacrifice, uh, you know, to, to correct a sin or to atone for a sin? Uh, so, you know, the film is, is full of all those juicy uh, and ancient questions that have always been with us, really. But what the deer itself, you know, what the image of the sacred deer refers to, I actually don't know. Well, I'm just having a look here. Um, there's a suggestion on a website that it refers to the Greek myth of Iphigenia. Uh-huh. Let's have a look. And what is it? I don't know Iphigenia. In Greek mythology... Iphigenia was a daughter of King Agamemnon, uh, and uh, Iphigenia was a princess of Argos. Agamemnon offends the goddess Artemis, who retaliates by commanding him to kill Iphigenia as a sacrifice, so his ships can sail to Troy. In some versions, Iphigenia is sacrificed at Aulis, or Aulis, but in others, Artemis rescues her. So uh, basically, her dad pissed someone off and said, well, now you've got to kill her. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty much the theme of the film. In a way. Well, that's not the theme, that's the story. That's, yeah, yeah. But, you know. but it, well, it makes the title make sense. Which is nice, because I like the title. Yes, it's um, a beautiful title. I'm glad it, I'm glad it means something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so go on. What, what's, um, give us the, the rough plot. Um, well, the plot is basically that through carelessness and drunkenness... A heart surgeon basically kills a man. In the operating table. In the operating table. So uh, we find out that he develops a relationship with the son of that man, uh, partly because he feels guilty, uh, and to atone for, you know, what he considers his sin, though he won't admit it, really. Yeah. So and when you say a relationship, him, yeah. this is a kind of... He, just, he feels responsible for the kid, really, That's right. In a way. So and he buys him watches, gives him money... And so on. And as the film unfolds, we actually find out something different. So basically what happens is that the son is aware of all of this and puts a curse on uh, the man and his family. And basically he tells him that either he kills one of his children or they will all become paralyzed, begin to bleed through their eyes, and die. And when they begin to bleed through their eyes, it's too late for them. Well, there and, are hours to go. Yeah. Hours and, to save them. And, they will, and that will happen uh, to both his children and his wife, unless he decides to sacrifice hmm. them himself. Yeah. I, wh- whether, whether this... But I think that doesn't do justice to the film in a way. No, no, no. But we're just talking about the plot. Um, whether this guy actually puts a, a curse on, his, uh, on the family or, or, or on... Uh, the surgeon is not entirely it's really not spelled out it's just this kind of seems to happen and the kid obviously knows what's going on and he appears to have some sort of power over it but you never see him like sitting down reading an incantation it's not no, that no. kind of a thing okay it's not that kind of film but the effect is the same yeah I mean and actually that's one of the marvels of this film that it creates a world in which this kind of thing is believable and can happen right so it's not magic it's not witchcraft while you're watching it you're actually kind of thinking 
you know, is this possible? And then the film kind of cheats you a little bit. So, for example, at the very beginning of the film, I thought Colin Farrell was going to end up a pedophile, right? Because, you know, the whole relationship with the kids seems so weird, right? And there's kind of quite a lot of emphasis put on the child's body and his growing body. And does he have pubic hair or, you know, hair on his body and... You know, all of those questions, really, that I've... And there's also this image of this fallen youth, right, that is in the bedroom of uh, the Colin Farrell character and the Nicole Kidman character. So I thought it was going to end up, like, really creepy and weird and, you know... And then, of course, it, it veers off into something else, though, you know, that sense of unease and so on remains throughout the film. So, you know, the film creates a world in which these things that logically seem really, really weird, kind of are plausible and make sense and are accepted. I, uh, I, I didn't, I never thought for a moment that um, there was going to be a paedophilia thing, partly because, although I can see what you're getting at, there is an emphasis on, on the physicality of, of people um, and their kind of, their, their, their body parts and, mm. and their body hair and things. Um, it's, it's the kid who brings it up with uh, Colin Farrell's character all the time and he's very uncomfortable mm. about it. What I thought was going to be the case early on was that he would turn out to be the kid's dad. The reason that he's looking after this kid is because he feels responsible because he had him years ago out of marriage or whatever, which is why which is why early on the dad is not, is not mentioned. As it turns out, they're just telling the truth. Yeah. Like, everyone in this film is telling the truth. Yeah. There's yeah. no secrets being told. That thought crossed my mind as well. Uh, so, and the film has a fantastic, eerie score, right, mm. where everything is disjunctive. Right, like it pierces. It's, it, it has yeah. these kind of single string notes that whine and yeah, pierce. it has this core of, of a horror film, really. Oh, yeah, um, and also I love the whole look of it. It's like it's it's in these extremely wide shots, which distort all the space. Yeah, right? wide angle shots yeah. rather than wide shots. Like it, it'll be the camera. It's almost like CCTV. Mm. The camera is placed in a high corner of a room, and everything's distorted, but you see the entire room from up above. That's right. And the people feel very small. And significant. And, and in a weird space, right? In an unsettled, angular... Yeah, it's it's kind of... It's not a, a normal cinema view, and it's not a normal person's view, really. You know, uh, it's 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 a wide-angle, almost like this extreme wide-angle lens, yeah? Like distended space, which actually is so distended that it skews it, right? So actually, you don't even get proper rectangular lines on it. Everything is skewed. Mm. Right, which I thought was kind of like wonderful, and also another thing that the film uses over and over and over again is this either zooming in or zooming out, which is very slow and deliberate, yeah, and kind yeah. of you know, and forces you to not only look but actually it's almost like it's to change your thinking as the zooming goes on, right? Like, kind of you know, uh, it's like that Michael Snow film, the, the you know, the slow kind of creeping in. Uh, uh, you know, so as the zoom kind of moves, your sense of space and of the the, the space for action in the film. Michael kind of, Snow film. Yeah, there's what what's it called? Lo there's a very famous Michael Snow film called Longitude or something, and it's okay. basically just kind of a camera slowly zooming in uh, uh, to something. Okay, so it's funny because I was well, um, Yorgos Lanthimos, who directed this, um, wrote and directed, or well, co-wrote and directed uh, on his own um previously made the lobster and previously made uh, dog tooth which is the one i haven't seen mm. um i've seen him described as michael haneke with jokes 
Um, right, okay. It's a little bit about, isn't it? Wavelength is the film that I'm thinking of. Right. Um, um, he kind of, he, he, he has a, he, he has a, a certain view, Yorgos Lanthimos, of kind of the bourgeoisie or the upper middle class and the way they live and, and kind of, he likes to introduce sort of disturbances to that way of life. Mm. Like in the, I haven't seen Dogtooth, but I know the premise is that, that, that um, these children are kept captive throughout their childhood by the by the parents. Mm. In in uh, the Lobster, the entire world is kind of skewed, so people kind of still appear to be in some respects living a kind of normal life, but but just the way everyone interacts is weird and different because societal kind of expectations and norms are different. And in this film. It's it, this one in a way kind of fits reasonably squarely into that tradition of a normal family, a stranger turns up and starts ruining things. Yes, it's you know it's it's, it's not quite not quite that because the kid is not a stranger. The kid has this pre-existing relationship with Colin Farrell's character. No, but, but it's, um, he's a stranger actually. No, I think that describes it to perfectly. the rest of the family. He certainly yeah. is. Yeah, and and actually to to even to the Colin Farrell character un- until they meet. Yeah. So uh, the child is not somebody he's known previously. He's met him in the hospital when his father came. Oh, sure. Yeah. But I mean, but, but before the film starts, it's clear that Colin Farrell's character, uh, he, ha, the, his relationship with him has, has pre-existed yeah. Yeah. Um, for a few months at least. Um, well, obviously since, you know, in retrospect, you realise that it's, it, since... Um, the father died. The father died. Yeah. Then, you know, at some point... Um, he was having contact with this kid. Yeah. So and, he, and he does say in the film, within the last six months, it's happened more and more. Yeah. So let's backtrack a little bit, yeah, because yeah. the film begins with this image of a beating heart, you know, and you can argue that the whole film is really about that. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's quite weird in a way, because the film is almost deadpan, right? Like, you know, Colin Farrell plays his character, and as indeed do all the actors in this film, almost in an unemotional way, yeah, to begin with. Mm. It's all kind of monotonal. It's all softly spoken. It's almost like there's a lack of reaction to, of expected reaction to what's happening. Everything is downplayed, right, and kind of minimized. So you get the feeling that that they're unfeeling, that they're kind of calculated and withdrawn, and yeah, so kind of... Yeah, it's, it's not just... It's not just quiet, but it's also unnatural, yes. stilted. This yes. is why, I mean, about 10, 15 minutes in, I said to you, is this directed by the guy who did The Lobster? Yes. It's very easy. If, 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 and that's quite apart from the fact that Corin Farrell's in both of them, yes. doing very much the same thing for a lot of it. Um, it's, it's, he's got a real style. It's yes. identifiable like that. Yes, yes. Um, the way that people so, respond to each other and move. Yeah, we must, we must specify, we didn't know anything about the film. I knew that it was uh, uh, a Yorgos Latimos film, uh, but I didn't know anything else about it, actually. I didn't even know the title. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, um, so it's good that you mentioned that his style is recognisable, because indeed it is, you know, and, so, and it's deadpan and it's funny, and it kind of, and it creates this very kind of interior in, in, internal world. It's a it's a world, but really kind of you know what he gets you to to think about and to maneuver your way through is in a way the human heart or human feeling really, yeah. In the film, I think that's interesting. Yes, because you know the the to me the emotional climax of the film is when. Colin Far- the Colin Farrell character 
faces the threat of having to kill one of his children, right? And uh, the, the whole he, he breaks everything in the kitchen, right? Mm. You know, and and he uses you know uh, those words like uh, you know that what they need to save their children is some kind of witchcraft. So he says like you know I forget what he said. Oh, you need um, a hair of dog and this uh, toad and you know and pubes. yeah and uh, virgins pubes or something, you know, and he goes all over the kitchen kind of pretending to look for them, but really just venting his fear and his anger and his despair, right? Mm. And I thought that was like, you know, it was, it's kind of an emotional climax in the film, really, for him to let go like that. Yeah. Well, there's, wow. there's certainly very little... It, it, rather in that way that in, in Blade Runner, when um, uh, Ryan Gosling's character uh, explodes, it, it comes after such a long time of such little emotional... Uh, expression from him that it, ha- it the, the power of it is uh, emphasized mm. by that, and it's a real release in, yes. in uh, the killing of the killing of a sacred deer. I love the I love the the films um, dealing with a world in which not everything can be rationally explained, right? So. You know, so this is different than than witchcraft or sci-fi or the supernatural or horror. You know, it kind of, it reminded me of, you know, as a child, just kind of, you know, the, the way that things were explained were often kind of through through things that were not scientific uh but at the same time they were not necessarily religious right other things existed in the world and sometimes kind of you know explaining things that happened had recourse to legend or or you know fantasy or hearsay or stories mm. right and i think kind of you know the world the, this film begins really rationally they're doctors right kind of you know everything has its place everything is reasonably explained yeah mm. like <laughs> kind of you know uh um but then something happens which their kind of rational scientific world can't explain. And it's almost like their whole belief system crumbles in a way. I'm not sure I agree with that, just because it's not it's not the it's not the kind of curse, if let's call it a curse. It's not the curse um that that kind of starts to I I don't think I don't think their beliefs get shaken because the moment that well, for one thing, Colin Farrell's character seems to know about the curse before the kid tells him about it. He tells him over a, a, a table in the cafeteria, and he and he comes out with it very quickly, which is kind of the explaining the rules for the audience as well. Um, they'll get paralysed, and then they'll refuse food to the point of starvation, and then they'll bleed from their eyes, and then they'll die. Yes, and uh, although it can partly, I suppose, be attributed to the fact that there's so little emotional reaction from 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 the character at this point. Colin Farrell's character really doesn't respond to this, and it's like he knows it already, and, and he certainly doesn't seem to think, how can this be possible? You're just making it up. He just believes it. He just. Th- I didn't th- read that scene like that at all. I read that scene as him, you know, completely discounting the vengeful rantings of an adolescent boy who's clearly in pain. Okay. I read it as him dismissing it. And th- that's why he has so much trouble even believing it afterwards. You know, like, it takes him a, it takes him a while when... You know, his son kind of loses, you know, the use of his legs to actually even believe it, right? He thinks the child is psychosomatic. The film actually... Well, that's before he's told about the curse. 
No, no. I think that that happens after the curse. No, he loses. He loses his feeling his legs first because they're in the because that's the reason that the kid's in the hospital. To because he visits he visits the son in bed when he's lost his uh, use of his legs, right. and then he says, "Meet me in the cafeteria," and that's when he tells Colin Farrell, "This is the these uh-huh. are this is the curse." Okay. Um. I mean, you might be. I think maybe it's up to interpretation. I didn't question for a moment that that everyone that people just believed this. This was just something that was the case, and they needed to. So, so Colin Farrell, I guess you read his responses from then on as having trouble believing it. I read them as having trouble, except like kind of uh, working out what to do about it. Oh no, I I I read it as him you know, having trouble believing it, really. And I think even when later, when it happens to the daughter, like, I think there's also, at that point, an ambivalence, yeah, Mm. about the curse and so on. You think, you know, is is the girl, is she in cahoots with the boy to make, you know, to make the father believe this, right? But actually, it's not happening. Mm. It took me a a while to actually accept that actually there was a curse. (laughs) Right? Uh, So... Um, yeah, and and he keeps searching for a scientific, rational explanation. That's why he gets angry at his wife, who tries to psychologize it and says it's psychosomatic, right? True. So... Um, well, I suppose I kind of felt that the film... When you said earlier that the film sets up this world in which slightly weird things can happen, um, and you, I, I don't feel it's particularly unique. I think there are, there are several films like that. For instance, Charlie Kaufman kind of gave birth to a whole kind of subgenre of quirky comedies where there's like a, a normal world except there is you, you can delete people's memories or a normal world except uh what's, what's that Paul Giamatti film where you can have your soul removed and and put into a test tube and shipped across the country or something like like th- there is this kind of uh subgenre that in a way this film fits into of a normal world but there's just one particular quirk in it that and it, and, it, and it has a kind of pseudo scientific um uh sort of property or kind of quality um that kind of that, that is the centerpiece for for what the characters uh behave around but this doesn't even have any pseudo scientific like you know the the parents are, are are scientists they work at you know they're doctors they work in a hospital the wife nicole kidman runs her own clinic Right. So that's their world. And he makes speeches to all of the, the doctors. Right. So he's obviously like a famous kind of doctor. Uh, so and then all of a sudden a young man says this will happen to your children, you know, unless you kill one of them. And then it ends. It, it happens. Mm. So actually there's no there's no like pseudoscientific. You no, know, no, sure. Anything so not, given not scientific, for it. but I think, you know, this is just a world in which actually curses <laughs> operate. Right. Yeah, but I, I, what, in other words, I mean, kind of, it, it, that didn't feel like the challenging part to me. You know, I felt like I just accepted that. And, I, and, I, and my interpretation of what the characters in the film did was they more or less accepted it as well. Well, and, um, and went on to I mean, take. for me, it's not a challenge. I mean, I think part of, you know, Yorgos Latimo's skill is that, in fact, you do accept it. It's not, uh, you know, mm. it kind of, it makes its own kind of sense. But I'm telling you that kind of dramatically, to me, it's, it's odd and and welcome so odd in a very good sense yeah um you know because it kind of it yeah it kind of it enables things to happen in which then kind of like the main focus becomes a moral and ethical one really yeah kind of 
you know, what, what, what are the repercussions of your actions, right? But actually, I think very interesting as well, it kind of, it's calling for justice to, you know, um, outside the world of men or something, right? Like, kind of, yeah, so, so, so the Colin uh, Farrell character has basically, through carelessness and drunkenness, killed a man and destroyed a family, you know, like in Greek mythology or the Old Testament, the repercussion is he must also sacrifice the same in order to write a moral order. Now, you know, that's not the way that we see or perceive justice as happening in our world. You know, some some crimes don't get solved. You know, some people do pay. Some people get away with it. Yeah, kind of. This is a moral world that he presents to us. Right. Mm. But it's kind of it's a moral world that has to have recourse to either story or legend or something that seems a little bit supernatural but isn't quite to write the moral order. I think that's kind of quite extraordinary and, and as I said, really welcome. I was thrilled to see it. It's certainly welcome. I, I, I mean, I must say, I just can't say I enjoyed the film, really. Um, despite the fact that there, there's food for thought and, and, like you say, it's really welcome. I mean, it's it's still kind of, it's trying to kind of ask these questions and, and do so in this really idiosyncratic mm. uh, sort of artistic framework. But I I can't say I liked, I, I certainly didn't like it in the way that I liked The Lobster. It's it's not going for last in the way that Lobster is. I think that might be part of it. No, though it um, has them. It, it has it, them. It, it, it but has... it's certainly playing more for drama yes. and, and these kind of ethical... Though it has quite black humor, yeah. you know, uh, like the lobster did. Uh, I I loved it. Uh, I must say, um, and I just I loved it because it's kind of um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of asking those questions. You know, what what is a life worth? You know, kind of uh, um, what reparations do you have to make? Like, what is justice? Right. You know, so it's very interesting that throughout all of this, the young man who's the character that, you know, causes all this misfortune to the family. You're still sympathetic to him, you know. No, I wasn't sympathetic to him at all. No, I couldn't stand the little fucker. (laughs) (laughs) I was. I mean, he was seeking justice. Yeah, but he was aware of um, how, how belligerent. He was being to 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 three people who had nothing to do with it. That's the question that Nicole Kidman, the Nicole Kidman character, asks him. I haven't done anything. Mm. Anything? Why should I suffer? Why do I need to suffer? You know. But yeah. likewise, you could say, "Well, I haven't done anything. Why am I suffering?" Well, that's true. But when you're in a position of knowledge, that can, yeah. Well, and he and he says to her, he says, "This isn't." He says, "This isn't fair, but it's as close to justice as." we can get or something like that yeah you know um but no i thought he was a dickhead no <laughs> so I you see like i kind of to me he's he's like um he's like the hero of the film because actually you know the way that you see him he's always very responsible he's very quiet yeah he's kind of you know he looks after his mother yeah he's he's trying to kind of make her happy uh and he's very kind of soft-spoken and dogged Right and um, yeah, I kind of I thought he's he's in a way he's the hero of the story. He's the one who kind of brings justice and and again justice in this 
in this furious way, right? Like in you know, like in a in a in a. Uh, well, it's certainly a kind of biblical eye for an eye. Yeah, you know, it's very um, much kind of you know uh, Old Testament in that way. Yeah. Uh, but I think, but and that's that's interesting because on the one hand. You know, when you think of, like, Old Testament, you do think of, like, thunder and lightning and bolts and people dying and plagues and, you know. And this actually is not, it's all, it's all done in a very deadpan, minimalist way, you know, that I think garners great emotional force as it unfolds. And I think also develops its themes in really kind of very complex ways. And it has incredible imagery, you know, kind of imagery that, that, that will stay with you. The eyes bleeding. Uh, the mm. Nicole Kidman laid out like a corpse under anesthesia. That's what turns his her, her husband on. You know uh, when she. Well, what do these? I, I mean, there are there part part of what I end up not liking about it is so. For instance, Nicole Kidman kind of playing dead or playing under anesthetic for her husband, mm. um, or uh, or the girl. Uh, the, the the daughter that is um starting to speak in kind of uh very high sort of ways to, as as if being kind of channeling the the boy uh, and when she you know when she can briefly get up and walk again mm. there are these there are these things that these, these details that i the, the film doesn't feel holistic it feels like there are ideas that are quite scattered oh i don't i don't agree i think to me it feels very holistic I mean, you have the children both playing up to the to the parents, but for their lives, right? You know, so because basically each of the children is arguing, kill the other, right? But actually kind of, you know, not saying it in those ways, saying, you know, I will love you, I will take care of you, says the girl. Or the boy says, I will now cut my hair, blah, you know, mm. so kind of... But that's not, what, what, but what about when she can walk, for instance? What about... What about Nicole Kidman? Well, to me, the moment where she can walk in the hospital is actually, you know, one of the moments in which you, you know, Nicole Kidman becomes resigned to the knowledge that it is true that he does have that well, power that's true. and that he's the cause of it. So, you know, Nicole I mean, Kidman does do something better than anyone else in the world, I think, which is she's really good at reacting uh, at like a 70, at like a 45 degree angle. Mm. She's really good at reacting to children telling her creepy things. She did the same thing in birth, all over the place. Well, that I, kid just creeped her the fuck out, and no one else could have done that the same. I don't like her because I can never warm up to her. But really, I'm a gog with admiration. Oh, I mean, she was she's fantastic. just fantastic, really. Um, and you know, kind of. And again, we, I was talking earlier about images. The image of her wanking her husband's anesthetist just so she can get information out of him. You know, the, 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 the cold, determined way that she does it. It's, it's almost funny, right? Mm. But there's, it's, there's also something like driven and, and tragic and sad and yeah, in that kind of desperation, really. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's a fantastic performance and it's a fantastic image, really. Mm. So I kind of, I think it's a film, you know, to see again, I mean, I, I, in a way, I do know what you mean, because I think all, almost all the film's pleasures are kind of intellectual ones, really. You know, like, the world is an odd world. The characters are unlikable. The performances, partly they're so great because they're not afraid of being disliked. 
right? N- neither of these two people, the main, yeah, the Nicole Kidman or the Colin Farrell character, are likable in any way, right? And they're certainly not warm, right? So, you know, for an actor to be able to kind of depict that in that way without making themselves kind of seem lovable, mm. I think is really quite extraordinary. I don't think, it's not that I, I don't respect it or, or, or kind of think it's interesting, but I, I, and, it, and it's not even to say that you should be able to sort of, quote unquote, enjoy something to enjoy it. But um, I think films work primarily, they make you feel. That's when a film is successful. And this film didn't make me feel very much. It made oh. me think, but it was quite, I don't know, kind of reserved. Like I'm, fi- I'm finding it more interesting talking about it now. Mm. But in the cinema, I f- it felt distant to me. Yes, I loved it. Uh, and, and I can understand what you mean about it feeling distant. It's certainly not a film that kind of offers easy pleasures. But it definitely made me feel in the way that you expect films to. I mean, you know, there's that moment where the child bites. Yeah, he's imprisoned yeah. and he's all wrapped up. And, you know, the only recourse that he's got is his teeth, you know. And my God, that really jolted me. Right. And even worse, he bites his arm. when he bites his own arm so he can no longer hurt the other, you know, so he makes he makes Colin Farrell witness his pain. Right. Um, and, and how far he's willing to go to extract kind of vengeance and justice. Uh, I mean, you know, that's why to me that was amazing. He jumped. I he, jumped. He jumped. By... Uh, and I jumped for all the right reasons because yeah. you feel the emotional force behind it. And actually it also has a thematic push. Right. Kind of, you know, so so the child is telling him, look, you know, kind of this is how far I'm willing to go. And this is what you've done to me. And you've done mm. this. Right. Like, you know, so I kind of I, I, I think I just I, well, I mean, I guess just two different worlds. I didn't connect with it. Mm. That's what it is. It's and it's not it's uh, maybe it's my fault. It's not the film's fault because the film is pretty much off a piece. And it's it's yes. like it's I mean, it's not doing anything it doesn't mean to do. Yeah, clearly. Um, um, it's just not my cup of tea, maybe. Right. Oh yeah. well. Um, not enough. Uh, not enough gladiatorial fights on other planets. I wonder two things. I wonder if we expect, you know, pleasure, or two, yeah, at the cinema. If it, if we're just kind of like what what is it reacting machines or something, right? Like you know, you push our buttons and we react in a particular way. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I think I think the cinema at the moment is so kind of unimaginative that actually something that feels like really original and also, you know, I don't like to use the word serious, but you, you know what I mean? That it has kind of a, a complex kind of thematic, yeah. you know, a working out of ideas dramatically that is, you know, has a consistent theme and that it's a very complexly done and that it examines kind of an issue, you know, really beautifully, dramatically, but from many different points of view, or it examines the repercussions of those actions in kind of very sophisticated ways. You know, I think I think we're really not not used to having kind of uh, um, films throw that at us. Though now that I'm thinking, I mean, I think Mother did, I think Blade Runner did in very different ways, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is kind of that kind of film. It feels like really original, even though you're right that it is of a piece with, you know, uh, The Lobster, 
yeah, it's you can tell that it's made by the same sensibility. Mm. But nonetheless, it does feel like a really original piece of work. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think it's it's one to be welcome. I mean, I'm kind of delighted that it's playing at Cineworld. It's mm. it's it's the kind of film that you would have expected at one point, you know, for a smaller art cinema venue to be to be showing. Uh, so on the one hand, you know, I'm really glad that Cineworld's showing it because actually the smaller venues now are the programming that they're showing is really pretty much, you know, the blockbusters that Cineworld is showing, but a month later. So, you know, there's not necessarily spaces for the small, inventive, uh, quirky, serious films. I mean, I think it's a film that makes demands of, of an audience. Mm. It's a, it's, it's actually almost in many ways an archetypal art cinema film, oh, yeah. you know, where you come out of the cinema and you just want to talk about it. You just want to, you know, what, what was it about? You know, how did you feel? Yeah, like the kinds of conversation that we've been having now, um, I think... Yeah, to me, it's 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 fantastic. I'd happily see it again. Mm. I'm, just, I'm yeah, yes. I mean, I agree with all that, but I'm struggling with it. Mm. I'm struggling to connect or feel like I like I don't. I didn't. It didn't to me feel like it. It was making me think about you know. How far would you go? I mean, I don't think it is about any idea of how far would you go to 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 uh, extract vengeance, but it's 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 certainly trying to. I don't know what it is. It's, it's making it's making it's a it's about this making the making a demand on Colin Farrell's character that he's not expecting, but he but he is sort of. It's like it's a kind of Sophie's for. choice question that yeah. the film is asking of him, right? Like, you know, which of your family members would you kill to save the rest? Because either they all die, or by killing one, you save two others, mm. right? It's but kind it of press it, does it? It's I mean, that's almost like a side question to really the the the, the kids' desire for revenge. They well, they they all go together, mm. right? Um, yeah, because the child, even though um, he's he's in many ways doing the wrong thing, right? Two two wrongs don't make a right. Nonetheless, his action has a moral force. Yes, you have deprived me of all of this, mm. right? And through carelessness, right? Like just through through carelessness, through through lack irresponsibility. of irresponsibility. Irresponsibility. It wasn't it wasn't an accident. It wasn't deliberate. It wasn't even kind of murder. It was just like your your. You, you, you shouldn't you, be drunk and operate on someone's heart. Yeah, you didn't care. Yeah, yeah. You, you played with people's lives. Uh, so, you know, kind of, I think the film asks those moral questions with that kind of moral force in which nothing is absolutely clear cut and I think rendered more powerfully because everything is so understated. It's almost like, it's almost yeah. like, uh, what's the word? Um, yeah, the character's... Are, are, the responses are so measured and thought through and soft-spoken. They're almost recessive. Yeah. Uh, the whole response, I mean, every every time every time you look at Colin Farrell's face, it's like it's the Kuleshov effect mm. all mm. the time. Mm. It's, it's just total blankness, and mm. you can put anything on either side of it and get a completely different. Like, yes. I mean, that's, that's what he is. And again, actually, I think rather like... Um, uh, rather like Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner, I think mm. same sort of thing. Respond to everything with a real stillness yes. to the point of inactivity, kind yes. of almost entirely. 
but it's just but it's it but it's about absorbing what you've just seen and and kind of giving 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 the character and giving you as the audience member time and space to 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 absorb what you've seen react and respond i think the wonderful thing about the colin farrell character is that he's almost in denial like well he's in denial throughout right but denial in the sense that you know he's he attaches himself to the banal right to what whether you're eating mashed potatoes or you know what's the best strap on a watch mm. or things like that because actually he can't bear to cope with any of the more difficult questions right like you know kind of to even think about what he's done would be so destroying to him that like you know there's actually it felt very similar to the lobster that um not to go on about too much but uh, maybe not i mean i don't remember the details i only saw the lobster once um I don't remember if he kind of if his character was obsessed with minutiae of meaningless things mm. the way he is in this, but there was certainly an, an element of trying to um, distract himself from more important things by just blathering. Mm. That's what his character did in that film a lot, just talked and talked and talked. Yes. Whereas there's this whole quite like the whole thing was if you don't have a relationship, then you die, mm. and <laughs> and that was a kind of very scary prospect yes. that he would just talk over it. Yes. Um... Though, I mean, I think, you know, again, the, the sex scene, it's so odd and, and resonant somehow, right? You know, so, like, the wife is really keen on pleasing him, right? And he's very precise about, you know, the dress that she wears and, you know, what looks best on her and, you know, and things like that. So, uh, but then their sex life is her pretending to be under anesthesia Mm. and him not even really touching her, just kind of wanking to her image until he comes and then he touches her, right? Which is Mm. so, you know... Very realistic. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not for your sake, sweetie. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's obviously like a kind of a symbolic... Yeah, what does it mean, that image, really? What the... What does that say about them as people? Uh, and, you know, kind of... And I, I think it's, it's, really, it's really interesting. And the, there's so many other images. The images of him, you know, with the, with the mask on his face, making himself go round and round and round so that he doesn't have to choose whom he kills. Mm. You know, kind of... That's such a powerful image as well, really. Yeah. And it's kind of like a powerful image conceptually as well as an execution, really. Yeah, like, it's not just the image you see, but the idea behind it that just kind of resonates as well. Um, yeah. I, I loved all of that, really. It's a terrifying climax. Mm. Mm. But, I mean, there was only one... There's only one way it could go, wasn't there? Well, actually, there were... No, I thought there were many ways that it could go, because I, I actually thought one possibility was that he would kill them all and then kill himself. You know, and then kind of you you could have had that play out as like, you know, this crazy man who kills his family, has a nervous breakdown and kills his family. That could be one option, right? Oh, he's, no, I never crossed my mind. He's a man of science. He, he, always, he knows that one is better than three. Well, I you say that now, but or when four. I was watching it, I certainly felt that that was an option. Yeah. You know, uh, so, I mean, I think those things resonate. And also... You know, so each of the characters begs for their life. And I just, I've forgotten, but including Nicole Kidman saying, you know, why don't we kill a child? 
like we you know we're still young we can have another yeah. you know i mean those kinds of conversations are like are very powerful and interesting and they make sense yeah you know and you see kind of people's you know uh um self-preservation kind of you know come in full force right like you know, I love my brother, but kill him because I'll be really devoted to you, right? Like all of those conversations, I think kind of, to me, really um, resonated. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think it's a really, really rich film. Yeah, it's one of those seedy underbelly films. Isn't it? <laughs> Everyone's horrible, it turns out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, everyone's, um, yeah, everyone's, <laughs> everyone loves, but everyone's self-interested. And everyone's self-involved and careless of others, mm. right? And actually what the film ends with is this image, this terribly sad image of just kind of two wit two witnesses or no, two sets of people or the young boy and what's left of the family kind of looking at each other incredibly sadly across a diner, each aware of what the other has done and each sad about it. Mm. You know? Which I th did you read it that way? Uh, I, I suppose sort of. Hmm. I didn't see sadness in the kid's eyes, but maybe I was maybe I'd spent the whole film disliking him, so maybe I, you know, was predisposed to think he was. Well, there was this unpleasant, but um, these long looks between him and the girl. And then we got to see all of the characters drift out the door of the diner one by one. Mm. And it's almost like the only one who wouldn't look back is uh, the Colin Farrell character. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, it's like he still couldn't. Mm. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of very moving and, and, um, and sad and, 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 you know, kind of things that reverberate that you can't quite fix the meaning of yet, but, you know, that kind of expand in the mind a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go see Jigsaw again. <laughs> well, I'll, I mean, to be fair, I'll give you, it was better than Jigsaw. Uh -huh. you know, Jigsaw, Jigsaw wasn't very good, but... Um, yeah, but the thing is, he's not the uh, Lanthimos is not is not incapable of of, uh, of affecting me emotionally because he absolutely did with the lobster. In, in the lobster, I, f I felt this incredible sense of pity for every single character mm. that was that was trying to find a real connection but couldn't, or was kind of stifled by the world that they lived in. I felt pity for absolutely everybody. Mm. Um, uh, but 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 in this, I. I I felt more. I don't know if I was distracted by the details, or if I f didn't find the concept original enough. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just you know, it it it, it just didn't quite capture me. As okay. it did you? It's one of those things. Yeah. Well, I it happens. It happens. You know, I mean, <laughs> even Jigsaw didn't capture yeah. me. Uh, well, some, I suppose some I things, think I'm becoming heartless. Some things just end up being a question of taste. But I do hope that people give this a chance, really. Oh, yes. You know, it is kind of, it does feel like, like fresh and original and 
quirky and, you know, something with its own style that's trying to communicate something interesting and complex. Yes. All right, well, let's leave it there. <laughs> the last word is yours. Uh, the last word is yours. What about Groundhog, Groundhog Day is in it? Yes, Groundhog Day is in it. I prefer Groundhog Day. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's a great film. It but it's a very film. different kind of film to this one. <laughs> it's a lot funnier. If this had Bill Murray in it. The thing about Bill Murray is he's too expressive. You you, you would know what Bill Murray is doing no. even when he's doing nothing. What about Lost in Translation, Bill Murray? A lot, he, he was extraordinarily expressive. He just sat there and did nothing. He was extraordinarily expressive. Um... It's a long time since I saw that film. I'm just trying to... Yeah, well... Uh, I thought Colin Farrell was wonderful. He was. Uh, and I thought uh, Nicole Kidman was wonderful. It was very interesting to see Alicia Silverstone as a middle-aged mom. Um, she was very interesting and quirky. I think she overdid it a bit. Like, she's too expressive, right? And she's too consciously expressive, so... I, don't, I didn't think she was as good as the others. And the young boy... Maybe, but was, I actually quite like that she, she, she imposed on uh, the Colin Farrell character so so clearly and, and partly by, I think, being so uh, eager, mm. so expressive. And she, and she also has the, um, the, the... The film has a few laughs, but she has the, probably the, the best one, which is, is um, I won't let you leave until you've had my tart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a laugh line. Uh, anyway, and the boy, what's his name? Barry Keegan. He was one. He was in Dunkirk. Uh, uh, he was the young lad who um, dies in Dunkirk. Huh. The one, the one. Who oh yeah, the one who goes on the, the one on who the joins. Yeah, the boat. Right, yeah, and he gets in the newspaper at the end. He's so. fantastic in this. <laughs> it's also set at Christmas. It seems to be, like all the horror films. I didn't notice that. Well, they sing Carol of the Bells at one point, don't they? That's when she falls down. Yeah, it's not it's not expressly said at Christmas, but the, Christmas seems to just be something that pops up when people want to be a bit creepy. Um, Remember that film? I mean, the box. The, yeah, uh, but I think in this film, basically, you know, it's it's set in the fall. Yeah, kind of, you know, it's it's set in the school year. Or, you know, yeah, and so on. But um, well, you know, Tesco would be selling Christmas presents by this point. I mean, what I wanted to know, and I, you know, because I have a bad memory for that, is. <laughs> You know, what were they singing? Carol of the Bells. Um, yeah, and what were the lyrics and how did they connect with what we're doing? Because actually, there is definitely something in that because we hear the whole song. I like how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer to young and old, meek and the bold. Ding dong, ding dong, that is their song. With joyful ring, all caroling. Okay, so that's merry, the merry, opposite. Merry, merry, merry Christmas. Merry, 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 merry Okay, Christmas. so that's the opposite of what we see. Yeah. Well, therefore, it's meaningful. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, you. I mean, you have to wonder what the film is trying to communicate with that because yeah. it's very beautiful. It's all these young people; they're all singing together. They're singing this particular song, and that's the moment where she loses, you know, her her legs, yeah, her ability to walk. Mm. So. Um, also, in relation to the high school, what I thought was very moving was. Uh, you know, Colin Farrell going to talk to the principal to see, you know, 
which of which of his children was more killable? Oh, which yeah. one was doing better in school? Which one had you know had a good behavior and which one didn't? You know the kind of uh, uh, the boy was better at some things, but the young girl excelled at you know yeah. uh, music well, he, and he says, literature. He says straight to, to the teacher. He says, "If you had to keep one, which one would you keep?" Yes. Yeah. That's not moving. That's just funny. Well, it was moving and funny. You know, I thought it was it was kind of desperate oh, and yeah. and humorous as a as a result. Um, anyway, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs>